If you want to know what is really happening in the world today, you need to read the Parsha HaShavua, the weekly Torah reading. Join Rabbi Mendel Lipska for the next hour as he delves and enumerates the themes running through the weekly Torah Parsha, only on 101.9 High FM. And a wonderful afternoon to all of you. It's been some time since we've been together with Pesach. Hope you all had a wonderful hug. I know it wasn't the same for many of you. It's been with all sorts of restrictions because of COVID. But nonetheless, I'm sure that you've had some uplifting and wonderful seders. And I really hope that each and every one of you achieved some degree of chayrut, of true spiritual liberation, of coming to understand what Yitziat Mitzrayim is really all about, leaving the restrictions, the boundaries of what Mitzrayim are all about, and becoming, in a sense, a freer Jew come into contact with your soul, to come into contact with your nefesh, with that spiritual dimension of life. This is what Pesach is all about. This is what the matzah teaches us. This is what the four cups of wine teaches us. This is what reciting the Haggadah teaches us. It talks to us not only about a historical event that happened once upon a time, but as we ourselves say, this is something which happens again and again and again, each and every one of us in our own lives. And this is why I truly hope each and every one of you had an uplifting and fulfilling and meaningful, a wonderful Pesach. And you are now prepared to continue on the journey, a journey that will lead us to even greater and more important heights, as we'll talk about soon. It's a very special Shabbos, the Shabbos, the Shabbos Mavarchim. We're going to bless the new month of Iyar. And Iyar, as we know, is an acrostic, a Rasha Tevot. It stands for the words, Ani Hashem Rofecha, I am God, your healer. And of course, what this world needs now, in a sense, more than anything else, is a tremendous dimension of divine healing. The world needs to be healed from this terrible pandemic, from this terrible illness, an illness that has paralyzed and crippled the world in so many different ways. It's touched the lives of each and every one of us throughout the entire world. It's taken the lives of so many people, people that we know, near ones, dear ones, loved ones. It's brought such illness to the world, but it's also brought a sense of sadness, a sense of emotional illness, a sense of psychological illness. What the world needs now is true divine healing. Yes, we're all waiting for vaccinations. We're all waiting for physical healing. And please, God, it should come soon in a good and happy hour. More important, we need divine healing. And what's the ultimate divine healing? The ultimate divine healing, of course, is the healing that will come with Mashiach. This is the month of year, the month of healing. Ani Hashem Rofecha. I am God, your healer. And this is something that we have to pray for. This is something that we have to ask for. This is something that we have to yearn for. We start with the Shabbos, Shabbos Mevorchem. When we bless the new month of year, this is what we should keep in mind. To keep in mind asking Hashem that an actual fact, divine, godly healing should come in great, in full, in complete measure. We're also during the time of counting the Omer, Sfirat Omer. 
I'm sure each and every one of you started on the second night of Pesach to count the Omer. Today is the 12th day. For those of you who haven't as of yet today had the opportunity of counting the Omer, just repeat after me now. Hayom, Shneim, Asar Yom, Shehem, Shavua Echad, Bechamisha Yamim Laomer. Today is the 12th day of the Omer, which is one week and five days of the Omer. And of course, what today stands for is Hod Shebidavura. Now, Hod is both humility and splendor. And we talk about humility within discipline. Because discipline can be very harsh. Discipline can be very, very destructive if it's not modified. And this is why we need humility within discipline. As a parent, as a judge, as a teacher, as a friend, as any human being. If we apply discipline without the modification of humility, it can be quite hurtful. It can be quite destructive. And today is the day that we try to refine that dimension of Hod Shepigvura, the humility within our own discipline, which brings about the other dimension of Hod, the splendor, the greatness, the shining beauty that brings out the inner and more beautiful dimension of discipline as well. It's a very special time because we're in the midst of this great journey, a journey that begins with Pesach, a seven-week journey that takes us all the way to the festival of Shavuot. It takes us all the way to the festival when we celebrate receiving the Torah. Because freedom is not only leaving the chains of slavery, it's coming to Sinai and receiving the Torah elevating ourselves to an altogether different dimension of spiritual greatness. We receive the gift from God, His teaching, His wisdom, His laws, that which makes us special and different. It elevates us to an altogether different and greater type of dimension. And this is why this Shabbos, all these days are great days days to be cherished, days to be used, days to be used in the most perfect sort of way. The Parsha Ishmini, which means the eighth day. And as we all know, the eighth day is a special day. The eighth day goes beyond the natural order. The eighth day takes us to the spiritual, infinite, great dimension. It takes us to a space which is far beyond any type of restriction, any type of limitation. It takes us to a space, it takes us to a space of true greatness. And this is why this Shabbos, the very first Shabbos after Pesach, we celebrate with so much joy, with so much grandeur. We celebrate with a tremendous degree of freedom and greatness. More of that soon. This is the Pasha Hashavua with Rabbi Mendel Lipska, only on 101.9 High FM. The Pasha Ishmini, the eighth day. The eighth day of what? For seven days, the temple in the wilderness, the Mishkan, tabernacle, was erected. But for seven days, the divine presence, the Shekhinah, the presence of God, was not manifest. On the eighth day, 
a special eighth day, the Shekhinah, the presence of God, appeared in the Mishkan, in the tabernacle. It was an extraordinary day, a day that the Jewish people saw, felt, recognized, that the incredible work that was done, the contributions they made of the precious metals, of the fabrics, of the precious gems, of the incredible work of Moshe, of Bitzalel and his team, the beautiful items, the beautiful structure. All of this came to fruition. Moshe erected the Mishka, the tabernacle, and the divine presence appeared. It was the eighth day. It was a day that our sages tell us was so great. It was the greatest day since creation. It was a day that was overwhelming because the presence of God was felt here below in this physical world. In a physical, limited space built by human beings, the presence of God appeared. The presence of God was felt. But as we take a look at the Parsha, one would think that the entire Parsha would reflect the magnificence, the holiness, the extraordinary dimension of this eighth day. A day where godliness appeared within the Mishkan, within the tabernacle. One would think the entire Parsha would talk about this and this only. And yet when we take a look at the Parsha, it seems to contain a number of items which at first glance are in conflict with the idea of the eighth day. Not only in conflict with the idea of the eighth day, but seem to interfere with the majesty, with the holiness of what the eighth day truly represents. It was the eighth day, a huge celebration. The offerings are brought. Aaron and his four sons appointed and anointed by God as the Kohanim, the priests that would serve in the temple. What happens? The two elder sons of Aaron, Nadab and Avihu, bring a strange fire, bring a strange offering. What that strange offering is, our sages have different opinions, but they did something which they shouldn't do. And what happens? God punishes them and they die. In the midst of this special occasion, in the midst of the moment when God appears in the house of God, this terrible calamity takes place. First of all, how could it possibly happen? And why should we read about it at a time that we are so overwhelmed by the greatness of this day? Why should we read about this terrible moment when we should be talking about celebration? when we should be elated, uplifted by the events of the eighth day, something which is so much greater than anything else that happens. We go further into the Parsha. What do we read? A long list of animals that we can eat and animals that we can't eat. We are told that animals that chew their cud and have split hooves, those are kosher animals. Whereas animals that don't chew their cud or don't have split hooves, we can't eat. And it enumerates a number of animals that only has 
one of those two songs. And then it speaks about fish. Which fish are kosher? Those that have both fins and scales, those are kosher. Otherwise, they are, well, unclean creatures that come from the water. And then it gives us a long list of birds that are unfit, that are unkosher. And we stop and think, we are talking about Bahi Bayom Hashmini. We're talking about the eighth day. We're talking about a time where God himself appears within the temple, within the Mishkan. Why talk about the food that we eat? Can't we talk about that in a different parasha, at a different time? At this moment, when we are talking about this incredibly spiritual event, when God himself is descending into this specific area, we talk about the type of food that is permissible and the type of food that is prohibited. Of course, it's an important mitzvah. Of course, it's an important commandment. But is this the time to discuss those foods that we should eat and those foods that we shouldn't eat? And we sit back and we ask ourselves, all of this is contained within the Parsha that is called Shmini, the Parsha which is beyond, the Parsha which is in the eighth dimension, the Parsha which is in the spiritual greatness, which far transcends any type of limitation. What is this all about? And upon closer examination, we begin to understand the true connection of all these things. What was the sin of the sons of Aaron? The so-called sin of the sons of Aaron is they wanted to expire in a purely spiritual experience. They wanted to bring a fire that elevated them to a spiritual level which would remove them from any type of physical involvement in the world. They wanted to elevate themselves to a neshama, a spiritual level, that would make them leave the physical restrictions of their body, of the world, that would take them into a completely different realm. That was a sin. God said, if I wanted a world of angels, I would have created a world of angels. Yes, I want a world of holiness. But I want a world of holiness within a physical world. And to leave this physical world, to create a state of holiness which removes you from the physical world is incorrect. What is Shmini all about? Shmini is not removing ourselves from the world. Shmini is recognizing the infinite holiness of godliness, the greatness of spirituality, but taking that spirituality and bringing it into the physical world. Similarly, when it comes to the question of the food that we eat, ultimately, what makes us holy? What makes us holy is so many different things. But ultimately, what makes us holy is how we behave physically, what we eat. What we eat truly defines the spiritual dimension of who and what we are. One might think that by fasting and leading the life of an ascetic, leading the life of an individual who hides himself 
from the physical world, who removes himself from any type of physical activity, that would be the holy individual. No, not necessarily. It's the individual who functions correctly within the physical world, who eats correctly, who knows which animal is kosher and which animal is not kosher. Which bird is kosher, which bird is not kosher, which fish is kosher, which fish is not kosher. It's precisely within the physical activities of that which we do on a physical level that defines our true holy state. That's what Shmini is all about. The temple is not a place removed from the world. The temple is not a place distant from the world. The temple is not a place which takes us away from the world. The temple is a place within the physical world that indicates that we have to create a state of holiness within the physical realm of our physical existence. This was the great sin. This was the great mistake of the sons of Aaron. They wanted to live a spiritual life removed from any type of physical activity. This is why we speak about the laws of Kashrut within the Parsha that speaks about Shmini, because it is the physical activity that ultimately defines our spiritual reality. This is by Yom HaShmini. It was the eighth day. What is the eighth day? The eighth day is the presence of God within this physical world. What is the Torah all about? Is the Torah something which takes us away from the world? Is the Torah something that removes us from the physical reality of the world? Is the Torah takes away from earth and brings us up to heaven? No. The Torah teaches us how to live within the physical world as responsible individuals who understand the divine message within the physical world. And this is why almost every single commandment in the Torah deals with a physical activity. And it's not because of discipline alone. It's because our job is to bring spirituality into the physical world. Our job is to bring divinity, holiness, the heavenly realms within the world that we know, how we behave physically, ultimately determines our spiritual status, our spiritual greatness. The Shmini dimension, the infinite greatness of the divine, really is determined by the physical behavior of the human being. And this is something which is so important for us to understand. Because it ultimately shows the true infinity of God's intention when he created the world. He didn't create something separate from himself and distant from himself. He created something that enables each and every one of us through our own efforts to become a partner within all of that creation. To draw down the holiness into the physical realm. We have a body and we have a soul. And the two are intrinsically connected, not as two separate things, but as one thing. And how we behave physically ultimately indicates the validity and status of our soul as well. More of that soon. This is the Pasha HaShavua with Rabbi Mendel Lipska, only on 101.9 High FM.
We're talking about Shemini. We're talking about this incredible situation where this infinite divine presence comes into the world and how this Parsha teaches us that ultimately what's the proof of the divine presence, not only in restricted areas of so-called holiness, but the holiness ultimately has to be proven within the physical realms of the world. And this is why, as we take a look at the end of the Parsha, listen to what the words of the Torah tells us. It says, Because I am God your God, and you shall make yourselves holy, and you shall be holy, because I am holy, and you shall not defile yourself, make yourselves impure, by making contact with or eating these crawling creatures that crawl upon the earth. And this is a very disturbing sentence. What does God say? You shall make yourselves holy. He tells us, the Jewish people, to make yourselves holy because I am holy. God says, I want you, a human being, to emulate me, God. You shall be holy because I am holy. And how shall you be holy? You shall be holy by not making yourselves impure by coming into contact with those creatures that crawl upon the ground. Is that how you make yourself holy? You make yourself holy in comparison to God by not coming into contact with or eating those shratzim, those creatures that crawl upon the ground. Is this the way that we make ourselves holy? And the answer is yes. By refraining from coming into contact with that which is considered improper within the physical realm, this is the way we make ourselves holy. This is what Hashem, this is what God is telling us. This is what Shmini is all about. It's within the physical realm that we ultimately prove the authenticity of what holiness is all about. And the Torah continues in the same vein. And listen to what it says, because he says, Ki ani Hashem Because I am God, your God, that brought you up out and brings you up out of Egypt to be your God. And therefore you shall be holy, because I am holy, and therefore you must know the difference between that and a which is permissible and that animal which is prohibited and you must understand to make a distinction between that which will make you proper, kosher and that which will make you impure listen to what the Torah says and this is something which is so important for each and every one of us to understand, to know to apply to our own lives what was the sin of the sons of Aaron? they wanted to escape the world what is the world all about? How do you bring the eighth dimension into the world? How do you bring a state of holiness within your own life? It is by bringing a dimension of correctness into the physical realm. And how do you do that? By distancing yourself from those physical things which are negative and learning, yes, how to eat properly, how to eat correctly, how to do things properly within the physical realm. And this is an important lesson in life. Because very often we think that there is really no connection between what I eat 
and what God wants me to do on a spiritual level. They are two separate realities. And therefore, a person thinks to himself, if I want to be holy, I have to somehow escape into a monastic lifestyle and become some sort of spiritual creature. That is incorrect. That is considered, in a sense, a sin. And there are those who say, what does God care what I eat? Does it make a difference? And the answer is yes. That is precisely where God tells us how to become a responsible, authentic, divine creature who recognizes, who understands, and who appreciates the presence of God in life. And this is why it's precisely during this time of the year, the time of the year that connects the story of Egypt when we leave the physical and spiritual slavery that crippled us, and we march during the seven weeks towards Sinai to receive the Torah, that we talk about these ideas, these ideas that can either uplift the human being or, God forbid, bring him down. This is a time of opportunity, of great possible refinement, where we are able to take every single dimension of life, of our spiritual and physical life, of our bodies and our souls, and bring them up to the spotlight and examine them. The idea of counting the Omer, the idea of studying the Pirkei, about the ethics of fathers, it's a time that we are able to develop, to refine, to become better and greater creatures within the physical world, within the world that God created. And this is why the Shabbos, whether you're at home or whether you're in shul, listen to the Parsha carefully. Become exhilarated at the opening words. It was the eighth day. And Moshe summons Aaron and his sons and the elders. And the great celebration that is going to take place. Listen carefully to the story of the mistake that the two elder sons of Aaron make. Listen carefully to the detailed description of what is kosher and what is not kosher. Understand what God says. You shall be holy because I am holy and this is the way you shall become holy. Understand what it means in your own life. Make it real. Make it important. Have a good Shabbos.